Woo woo woo. It's another color cast. The impetus for me starting to record is actually uh, I had an experience recently, maybe four or five days ago now. I was feeling very stuck and feeling very depressed. So I left my apartment and I went on a bike ride. And as soon as I walked out, I thought to myself, whatever I want is going to present itself to me. If I want danger on this ride, I will find danger. If I want stimulation on this ride, I will find stimulation. If I want knowledge, you get the idea. So I left and I started going on my usual route. I didn't really know what I was looking for yet. I was conflicted. I didn't know exactly what I wanted. I knew I might want a few different things. I found myself on a bridge that I normally cross. And I normally cross the bridge and spend time on either end. But this time I just sat out of the way. It's a big enough bridge that I, I wasn't in the way. It's a walking bridge. So no cars going by or anything. Just some pedestrian traffic. Beautiful view of the river that I live by. Just a generally pleasant vibe. I had my backpack with me. I had a Calvin and Hobbes book that Bree got for me for Christmas a couple years ago. And I brought my ukulele because it could fit in my backpack. I sat in the shade on this bridge and I just relaxed. I figured I don't know what I want, so I'm just going to be still for a little bit and I'm going to enjoy reading some Calvin and Hobbes and enjoy playing some ukulele if I feel like it. And maybe on the other side of that, I'll have an idea of what I want. So I'm sitting there and I, I read the, there's normally in, in books of like Calvin and Hobbes is a comic by Bill Watterson and he releases these collections of the comic and he normally writes like a foreword in the beginning. And in this particular book, it was the story of how he came to be, you know, the creator of Calvin and Hobbes. It was his story of trying a bunch of different comics, sending them around, being rejected, getting hired and then being rejected after being hired. Just the story of him wanting to do this thing and being kind of constantly told no. Eventually, finally striking on the characters of Calvin and Hobbes, finding success in that, and then being asked to monopolize those characters and resisting that. Just a really interesting perspective. You know, he was kind of a hermit. He didn't really grant interviews or deal with the media. He made those comics for 10 years. And then when he felt like he didn't have any more to make, he stopped. And uh, I just really, had, I, I identified with that. I'm in this stage of my journey at the moment. I have this general idea of what I've been working towards my whole life, drawing stage costumes for concerts when I was like five and, and drawing these characters for videos and stuff around the same time. I've always had this image in my brain, but if you listen back to previous podcast episodes, my struggle is kind of detailed. The process by which I've had to realize that just having the idea doesn't mean anything. Just having the idea isn't valuable. You have to learn how to bring it. You have to learn how to give it. And that's kind of where I'm at at the moment is learning how to bring it and learning how to give it. And I just, I, I really identify with the story of Bill Watterson, creator of Calvin and Hobbes. But I was reading that and all of a sudden I hear, I hear someone go, what instrument's that? And I look up and it's a man. You know, he's, he's socially distanced. He's standing a good distance away. And I tell him, oh, it's a ukulele. And he, he just kind of struck up a conversation and started directly addressing all the things that made me want to go on this walk. I didn't say anything. I wasn't like, hey, stranger, I'm out here because I feel this way and that way. I'm feeling insecure about my place in life and the fact that I have this vision that hasn't been validated by the universe 
and the insecurity that I'm carrying and stuff. I didn't say anything about that, but he just started directly addressing it and saying like, you know, when I listen to music, I, I'm often struck that a lot of great artists aren't necessarily great singers. They just are so willing to be the singer that they are. And it's just, there's something that resonates in what they are and what that is allows them to be you know magnetic or whatever and he just started really directly addressing all these insecurities that i had and then the conversation kind of shifted a little bit you know when you when you start having those types of conversations it's like mind to mind soul to soul they kind of go all over the place I, I got a sense that he had a lot on his mind i had a lot on my mind and it was just kind of like two individuals sharing data the one thing that he said that really stuck with me that i'm still kind of picking apart is he's an he's an immigrant from china and he spoke fluent english we were able to communicate in an abstract way so he really understood the words that he was using in order to be able to communicate with me in that way. And he explained to me that he's fluent in multiple other languages, but specifically Cantonese, which is a Chinese language, and Japanese. And he was explaining to me that the Cantonese language and the Japanese language are both oppressive in their own way. He explained that the Cantonese language, a little bit more so, it's an oppressive language. There aren't actually words and mechanisms to express abstract ideas of freedom. He said that he's not able to have the same personality he has when he speaks English, when he speaks Cantonese. And he said that Japanese is somewhat similar. He said there's a little bit more freedom and beauty in the Japanese language, but there aren't words to vent. There aren't words to vent your frustrations. And he, he kind of connected that to the idea of high Japanese suicide rates because he feels as if the language doesn't actually allow the healthy outlet of being able to vent. It was very interesting. He was saying that he has experienced like terrorism and oppression from the country he came from in, in China. And he was explaining that he felt as if America lately is beginning to feel more and more oppressive in its language. He felt he feels as if some of the things that separated America to him from other places are starting to be diminished. Which was interesting because I think he feels as if it's being diminished by the sensitivity of people. He expressed to me that he believes that while America's not perfect, it handles race relations and that type of thing much better than other countries currently do. Now, I'm not saying I agree with that. He, he hasn't grown up in America. He hasn't grown up in America as a black man. He grew up in China as someone who had to fear for his life and was terroristically oppressed there by people who were the same color as him. So I don't really know. I'm not really presenting my opinion here, but it was just super interesting to hear someone basically explain that whenever your language doesn't allow for growth and when your language doesn't allow for freedom of expression, you lose something. You begin to become oppressed. When your language becomes the language of victimhood, you cease to proclaim into existence a reality where you are not a victim. Now, I understand both sides of the debate. I understand both sides of the coin. You know, for the first time, I looked up Marxism, which is the Leninist camp of Marxism, is kind of the mentality that communist Russia, communist China, those types of countries use to organize their government. And I never really, it's something you hear all the time. It's a charged phrase, communist Russia, communist China, or whatever. But realistically, what it means is it's a different operating system. It's Android versus Apple. 
based on basically different beliefs. My understanding of it's very limited, but it seems as if Marxism is kind of based on the idea that, well, first of all, you do not speak your existence into reality. Like, we are merely matter in an organism, and we do not have the power to create or shape. Uh, I shouldn't say create or shape. My, my limited understanding of it is basically that we are just stuff. We are a body before we are a spirit. That's like kind of the first idea. And then the rest of it is basically just a way of looking at history and seeing how societies rise and fall and how societies are built. And it's basically looking at that idea through the lens of if we are just bodies before being spirits. I think that's very interesting. I'm learning a lot right now. I don't think to be oppressed is a good feeling I mean, I'm 25, living in America. A lot of people my age, or at least a lot of people my age that I interact with, I'm not saying it's everybody, but if, if they aren't religious, Christian, or whatever, believing in a deity or something, in some kind of divine purpose, then they're either atheist or spiritual, which I think manifests a lot as like what I just said, manifesting, like law of attraction, that type of thought camp, the idea that you can think something and focus on it and then you can manifest it into reality. And in like a religious mentality or a spiritualist mentality, like the idea of being able to manifest something into reality, that's kind of the idea that we are a spirit before we're a body. This body is just a vessel for the spirit. When you die, the spirit goes somewhere else. So that's interesting. I'm not a geopolitical expert, so I'm going to refrain from commenting on how that applies to this moment. But I'm just always struck with this sensation that lines get drawn in really odd ways. The lines that separate people, the lines that cause disagreement. I mean, I had a friend post something that was like, if you post this type of thing, we will bully you. We will make you feel bad. We will make you feel less than human. To an extent, I get it because it's like, that's what racist people do to black people. Yeah, like that's absolutely horrible. That like no one should have to feel that way, but like no one should have to feel that way. There are some really racist people in the world, of course. It needs to be checked. By the same token, it's kind of like, are you, are you, are we being facetious when we use oppressive language? Is it facetious or is it like actually oppressive? Because I really genuinely, to my core, do not want to use oppressive language as a benefactor of white privilege, as a human being, as someone who doesn't want to be oppressed. I don't want to use oppressive language towards anybody of any race. If there's stuff baked into my operating system towards black people or whatever, like I'm happy to have that checked, you know, and I'm happy to grow out of that. But I mean, this is a really, uh, I guess people, people are doing what they feel they need to do in order to be involved and in order to be beneficial towards humanity. So I, I'm not even condemning that particular person, my friend. I'm more than happy to call them my friend. The same thing goes the other way around. Like, I'm not willing to say, you know, because a person posted this thing and because a person in this post was using like oppressive language, we must condemn that. Same thing as I said in the last podcast. There's a way that everybody's reacting to this. I don't have any control over how anyone reacts to anything. It's just, this is what's on my mind at the moment is how do we navigate this situation in a way where a genuine respect and growth happens without the sacrifice of certain freedoms that 
do genuinely benefit anybody who has that freedom. You know, like it should be freedom to all, not oppression to all. Does that make sense? That's a personally held belief. And I am aware at this point that there are people who have arrived at different beliefs. People who have arrived at the belief that like there's a level of oppression that is necessary. That's just interesting. I'm, I'm processing it. I'm processing... I'm processing all sides of it. And that's where I'm at. <sighs> Man, what an interesting conversation. I knew something was going to happen. As soon as I left, I knew like something very interesting is going to happen to me on this bike ride. I've had many instances like that. My energy was definitely open. Because there were people walking past and just like kind of, Oh, that's a nice, that's a nice ukulele. Like there were a few other people who commented on my ukulele. They didn't stop and talk, but like... Whatever energy I was putting out in that moment was receptive to an interaction that is potentially outside the norm of what you would expect. And I had that thought, you know, I had a language in my brain. I had the words to basically tell myself, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to find something. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be what whatever I'm meant to find. And it's going to help. And I have the freedom to do that. I have the freedom to just leave my house and go walk. I could get hit by a car. I could fall off my bike and break my leg and land in a gulch and not eat and die of starvation. But I just have a feeling that there's something for me out there right now. So I go and then there is. And it's like, oh, cool. I'm not surprised at all. I appreciate this. I accept this, but I also knew it was coming. I accept this communication. So yeah, my mind is open. You know, I understand that different people arrive at different conclusions, and I understand the arguments for different conclusions. I guess I'm not even presenting a conclusion. I'm presenting a few opinions and a few just facts about things that I've perceived from my little vantage point in this reality. And on that note, may you be free in your thinking and in your language. And uh, that's all I got for now. So after I finished recording this podcast, my partner Bree sent me some audio, just some thoughts that she had on her mind, and I, I thought it was a interesting thought. So I'm including that here. Enjoy. This is just a morning thought out loud. Um, as I'm on my way to work. I don't know why I thought about this. Actually, I do know why I thought about this. I Actually, I'll give you the real rundown of how my brain works. I was walking out to my car and I saw a reflection of myself. And I have my hair back in a bun right now. But I've been actually like taking care of my hair when it was back in a bun. So I've been doing like my leave-in conditioner. You know, I like gel down my hairline because it's pretty nappy and I try to try to throw some subtle edges into it. But like <laughs> the reason I'm even bringing this up is because if I properly do my hair and put it up, there's waves on my hair. There's like, you know, like, a, like you know, if you wear a do-rag, you get waves. Well, I guess you don't know, but like if you wear a do-rag, you get waves, but if I do my hair a certain way, I can get, like, not crazy waves, because I'm not, like, really wanting crazy waves, but, um, anyway, I was walking past a car, and I saw a reflection of myself, 
and it immediately made me think of my mom because my mom growing up was always very like she was the only thing she was extremely strict on was my hair <laughs> um so then I thought about like wow I wonder like I, I just imagined my white mom walking with little me and um I can just think of my mom saying oh you were so sweet you were so sweet you know like you turned not sweet when you're you're not sweet age was in your teenage years I didn't think that offensively. Actually, my next thought I thought was, it's true. I am very sweet, but you know, I'm, I'm da, 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 da. So my next thought was, I think that's something that's kind of weird for parents is that, uh, well, the thing for a parent, I don't think parents like changes in their children. Even starting at like when they first turn one or something um wow this line's bad like you know like even when they like first turn one they're all like oh my goodness my baby it's not a baby anymore stop growing up and you know that's all sweet but actually follow that thought like a next step further um and it's like any human is going to go through changes that's the whole point of like like I was sweet when I was little, and I was evil when I was a teenager. You know what? I'm a pretty fucking strong woman now. Um, It made me think that, like, a parent's job... I think parents hold this power of their love over their children, and I don't think it's malicious, but I think it's the idea that, like, parents don't like children to change. And, like, you know, when you're zero months old to 18, even plus, you're always changing. You're always evolving. So, I guess what I'm saying is that it's interesting that, like, a parent's point of view would be, like, when I was going through my teenage years, my mom was very upset about it. And, like, you know, I was an asshole. (laughs) And this is easier said than done, but, like, a parent's job is to love the person, not love the situation for the person. Um, And that's easier said than done. Like, going now to a parent perspective, like, it would be hard to give up that control of, like, here you are, and you're young, and I can see how you're fucking up, but... And I'm irritated that you're fucking up. But you, you are mine, I am you, and I love you as a human. And not saying that my mom didn't do that. I would, I don't know, I just thought of, like... You don't really ever hear parents talking about the idea of like having to adjust. I guess what I'm saying is it's weird that it's like love doesn't come just one strict way. It's not just one entree. You know? Love has fucking the salad soup. The soup that was good, the salad dressing was bad, but you know, it's still filling my stomach. And you know what's next? An entree. So I'm going to try to make sure my chicken is cooked for my entree. And then again, you get dessert. You get dessert because you love the person. And even though the situations that the person has put you in sucked at times, not only did it help that person that you love grow into who they are, but it helps you grow as a human being too. 
So I'm going to go along include thought just to say that God's planning is accurate and uh, giving up control is a beautiful thing to try to learn. Huzzah!